Nick, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you on, bud. What's up, dude? You get us started. What do you want to get off your chest? What should we be thinking uh, about and hearing? My, my main three areas of concern, I think, for a long time have always been the wastewater management, um, which is horrendous at this point. I, you've already had podcasts on this. Uh, the stormwater management, which is a monster issue here that is neglected. And the third part of that triangle is soil management. I think that ties a lot of this stuff in together um, that never, ever, ever gets talked about. Yeah, you're right. Um, Let, let's, let's go through all three of those. Let's walk us through it. So, so what concerns me, the wastewater management, I think there's, uh, you know, after seeing Robert's podcast, basically being called to look at a lot of failed systems, there is a lot of septic systems around town that need to be changed. Um, I think the approach to installing septic systems in this area, probably nationwide, but in this area specifically needs to be changed. There, there's a lot of little details we can get into. But I think the, the very first, the most important thing to remember, and this has to do with you know, SAR security, um, you know, has to do with your wastewater. There is no government agency that's going to fix this. There is no regulation, in my opinion, that's going to fix this. This all boils down to personal responsibility. Historically, with septic, there's been a massive lack of enforcement here in general, but there's the, the regulatory structure in Costa Rica for wastewater management is, is spread across several agencies. And so you would kind of assume, man, this means this guy's going to help this guy enforce this. And then this, if, what it means is everybody just passes the book, essentially. Right. So, exactly. The, the Canadian embassy did a really good paper. I was reading about this about two years ago about that spread of responsibility and how it has kind of failed the overall uh, system. Um, but it, but all this, what I'm trying to get across with anything is all this comes down to personal responsibility. You know, I can choose whether or not I want to have a functioning septic system. Um, I think everybody here wants to live in a town where they can take their kid to the beach and go body surf and not worry about the quality of the water. Um, you know, we need, we need to realize that a lot of our problems here, I'm not, ever standing up for developers or this or that they all these guys can pretty well stand up for themselves but you know the majority of our problems are not the developer's fault they're not this one single homeowner's fault they're not the muni's fault it is absolute collective negligence on our part as a community most of our problems and so we can get together as a community and fix our problems i think that's one of the, the big benefits of a town like nosara is that you Yes, you see problems. Yes, things can kind of get tilted out of hand, but we also have the ability to to fix our problems and right. kind of create the community that we want to live in. We we do have that freedom, um, but a lot of responsibility has to be exercised around this. And so, where's the starting of the old, points of that, Nick? Like, like how how do you get the ball rolling that direction? Can you walk us through your, so your thoughts on that? I, I think, yeah, I think the the first thing we can we could assume as a town is that you're, if you're living in a house that's 15 years old, 20 years old, you probably need to replace the leach field. I think that would be a good starting point. Um, I think everybody in town, regardless of the age of their house needs to dedicate some time to assessing the current status of their septic system. You know, if it was newly installed, but you don't think it's operating right. If you're not, completely clear on what was installed maybe you need some help having that explained to you so you know how it functions um man i've been looking at 
a lot of old, I just looked at a place in Pilata that was basically non-functioning. Toilets not flushing because everything's so packed in. Um, this, this stuff all goes to the water. So I, I think first off, if you got an old house, you, you pretty well need to get determined that you're going to have to replace a lot of stuff. And now is the time to do it. Um, we kind of need one of, one of my, one of my ideas around septic here specifically is that we don't need to be installing probably or replacing septic systems anytime during the rainy season. I think that's been a big problem in the last maybe 10 years of construction. Um, definitely need to do it when it's dry. Um, this is, this is more a time to test the water table underground, you know, dig your test holes and all that sort of thing. But, um, new construction, man, there's some really good architects and really good builders, but I think, People need to be determined. This, this the way I look at it. I'm trying to get this out. I think people need to be determined, or at least make a valid attempt to know more about septic than they're built. All right. So if if I make at least a valid attempt to know more about septic than my builder, I'm going to better understand the process. I'm going to know how to direct their work. I'm going to know what needs to be installed. I think people need to not be scared away from attempting to learn about septic too. Because if you, if you think about, you know, most people, foreigners that move here are coming from places with sewer systems. So they've never had to think about where their body waste goes. Um, when you move to a rural environment like this, that is now something you have to understand. It's not a choice. You know, you can't just kind of hunt for the best builder and hope for the best. This is something you have to understand. And I think people should not be scared away from trying to learn. You know, a leach field is basically like what mid to late 1800s technology, pretty much at the point we quit pooping in holes. This is the technology, you know? So I, th I think with everything we've been through as a society to this point, it's, it's something that's probably pretty basic we could learn about. If you, if you can't pull off getting all the fine details about septic, just a basic understanding puts you a little bit further ahead in the building process. Can you just hit a couple bullet points that somebody should think of? Just point, point them a direction real quick. All right. Main, main thing would be that you need to, very, very first thing, I think you need to be honest with yourself about how many people are going to be staying in the house. I think Robert brought this up. Um, and you, and I think along those lines, when you're building here in Nosara, you need to technically be building for the person you're going to sell the house to. Now, this may be in your mind, your forever home. It may be something you're never going to sell. But if there's any chance you're going to sell this in the future and it may be turned into a rental, you need to size the septic system from the get-go for a rental. And then you kind of eliminated that as, um, you know, a problem area in the future. I know a lot of municipalities and states will make you also leave space for a backup leach field in case the first one fails. That way you're never without a leach field. Mm. Um, I think people need to realize too, all right, so a le the leach field itself, you, all your wastewater goes into a septic tank. We can talk about septic tanks and all the options that are now available in Costa Rica. Once it leaves a septic tank, for the most part, it goes into a leach field. This is where your wastewater kind of diffuses itself into the ground. Um, very, very integral part of the septic system. We've had a lot of problem here with people wanting to use the big white Piedris Potadranaje in the past. You know, the stuff you get at the Fetateria for a leach field, that stuff is not drain filled rock. Um, I think people need to start getting their heads wrapped around drain fields need to be three quarter inch, two and a half inch gravel. Um, basically, your leach field is acting as like a like a gate or a speed check to the water that's in your in your septic tank. 
If it moves too slow, you know, you imagine if your leach field, if you just concreted it in where it couldn't move, everything backs back up into the house, the toilets don't flush. So that's the far end of the spectrum. I think you have to kind of exaggerate your thinking on this to kind of get your head wrapped around it. If you use like this big white rock and it's sitting right over top of sand, this stuff is rushing out. Your septic system is going to empty very quickly, but you are not giving the soil beneath the septic system time to filter the water to a quality that it, it can then be released into nature. So I think we have to think about designing space-wise for the future, for maybe the next owner, keep them in mind. Do we have an adequate system? Um, and then we need to start thinking about materials. This is using gravel. This, this, had, this is why you want to do this kind of stuff in the dry season. The beds that this gravel is going in need to be clean. It's, it can't be muddy. And underneath your gravel bed also needs to be pretty good dirt. You know, you don't want to dig down as you're installing a septic system in this town to, to Cascajo or some shattered rock and then put your gravel in and your drain pipes because then it's just rushing through the rock, breaching the side of your property somewhere, running in the bar ditch, and then it's in the ocean and we're swimming in it. So this, this system needs needs to slow and mellow super chill you know everybody talks about like a pure vita pace that's that's how you want your septic system you don't want it too slow where your tank backs up but it needs to you got to give your stuff time to work um the big thing with the leach field that you see that i'm seeing a lot now in these older houses all right so if i have dedicated an ample amount of space to my leach field in my new build um i have gone above and beyond let's say i've even made it twice as wide just for like you know where I've got bragging rights over my neighbor. I've used the right material. I even excavated under where the gravel's going and brought good fill in like I should. I put the right pipes. Once that area is a leach filled area, it cannot be used for anything else. You can't park on it. You can't drive on it. You can't build a bodega on it. You can't put a pool on it. That leach filled area has to maintain itself. Its compaction has to, you can't start altering the compaction characteristics of that leach field. I think a lot of people will put a leach field, oh, just put the driveway over it, you know, use right. this for parking. And then you've autumn, you've, you've kind of within the first month or two of living in your new house, destroyed your leach field. And then there you are, brand new house, leach field's not functioning. Um, a touchy subject here is trees. Nobody wants to cut trees down. Um, I absolutely love keeping trees. I don't, I don't think you've been to this specific property I'm on right now, but it is epic. It's forest um, with like light agriculture mixed in, in in the area behind the house. But you cannot have trees beside these bleach fields. Um, a general rule of thumb is the height of the tree is about the distance it needs to be from a leach field. So if you have a 50 foot tall tree, you can't have your leach field within 50 foot of that tree. So this this gets to be like a little bit of a touchy subject with people that are buying yeah. two hundred meter lots because there's there's no room, um, right? To mitigate some of these spatial issues with uh, you know, with wanting to keep these trees or this or that, you can you can go towards uh, septic tanks that may treat the water almost to drinking water quality or irrigation quality, but you still need a backup leach field even for those systems. You know, the power here is unreliable if you're using an aerated system that runs electrically. Um, and, the, and the power tends to go out a bunch, you need that backup plan of a leach field. Um, so I think people need to have conservation in mind, but honestly assess their wastewater situation. You know, I like seeing that somebody kept all the trees, but I don't, I would not prefer them to be put in the ocean at risk by the way they built their septic system to keep two trees. 
So it's I got you. So so if I heard you right, if I can try to recap what you're saying, above all else, what I'm I'm hearing repeatedly is make space for the leech fields. It's it's important, and there's basically and there's a backup for the for the allotted space too. So really take that into consideration. And if it comes down to tree, and again, it probably depends on which type of tree and where you're placing the septic system, all that type of stuff. The tree thing's touchy, but what you're saying is. Don't let the trees be too close to where this area is. Replant trees elsewhere to offset what you need to cut to make it safe. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the, the tree, the trees here, you know, they, they're very shallow rooted. A lot of them because they're hunting for that surface water. That this this gets into the other stuff about stormwater management and soil management. You know, all the water here just runs as fast as it can off your property, and so the trees are super good at hunting out that little bit of surface water. And then in the dry season they are really wanting some water because there's nothing here. And if the only thing that's got water in it is your leach field, the roots are going to find those pipes in a year or two. And then you have completely lost your ability to drain your septic tank. Um, so I, I get so scattered with all because there's so much stuff to talk about, but like, so you kind of hit on like these aerated septic systems. So you have inside your body anaerobic bacteria. It doesn't need oxygen to survive. It, it passes through you with your waste into the septic tank. So, so this anaerobic bacteria in your body and in the tank can break your waste down about like, let's just say halfway for argument's sake. Um, the other part of the process, you need aerobic bacteria, bacteria that uses oxygen to survive. This bacteria lives in between the soil particles in the ground. So as you leach all your wastewater kind of cruises through the leach field and gets down in the dirt the the aerobic bacteria is what's eating the waste in that water and treating it to a quality that it can then re-enter the aquifer so the theory behind an aerobic septic system if you think of it like a fish a fish tank pump you're introducing air into a separate chamber of the septic system oxygenating the water introducing aerated bacteria so then it's it's doing the thing it would be doing in the ground but in the other chamber of the tank so by the time it passes through the tank itself it's almost at the quality you could like use it for irrigation um that's what i say when you use an aerated septic septic system you can then reduce the size of your leach field so this may be something for people with smaller lots to think about there's a lot of options um in costa rica lily's got a list i'm sure robert's working on a list I think people also getting back to the educating yourself about septic. A lot of the people on this list are distributors. You know, this guy sells this type of tank. This guy sells this bio nest. This guy sells this. Most of these guys are distributors. They do not know what your yard looks like. They really, some of them may not know at this company how to even make things function, but they can get you the tank you want. So it's up to you to educate yourself in this whole process realize what you need and, and kind of build your own plan so as a um, as a consult something robert's working on is basic information um for homeowners and then also a list of providers who can go and, and give estimates or look into things are you going to be on that list can you like can people hit I'm, you up I'm and you'll come take a look at the property i'm going to own the list but i'm i think i dude i probably get like three calls a day to to look at septic systems and help people so i mean every everybody that knows me calls me for other stuff with their stormwater so i'm i'm i'll do whatever if, if somebody needs help i mean it's it's kind of our collective responsibility to start helping each other um right you know i i, I think <laughs> The one way to look at you got a lot of people in town, this whole Instagram vibe, like everybody's wanting to be an influencer, but I, I want somebody to be an influencer with their curb appeal. You know what I mean? Like I, somebody needs to be an influencer, like with the way their property functions 
ecologically with stormwater, you know, that to me is setting a better example than taking a pretty picture. As we transfer from point one into point two, let's let's go ahead and jump into your your story. I have been to your property and I, I've seen where you're at. Can you share that? Yeah, so the 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 first property that I own here, I bought it was next door to my first house and it was eleven thousand six hundred meters. Um and I kind of enjoy I think I like punishing myself, but I like taking like these long forgotten about lots that have set in, especially in L section, because I love the watershed characteristics of this neighborhood. Um, getting these pieces of land, cutting all the termite damage out, the trees with lightning strikes, the, the brush, the invasive species, and getting this land back to where it functions like it's supposed to, but also can, can be productive. Um, and so, yeah, that was like 11,600 meters. And then we went into the forest and the hills behind there and, and started digging ditches everywhere the two hills met and actively channeled, I don't know, like 10 hectares, 20 hectares of water onto that one lot um, and then build a system of diversion ditches to where the water could kind of meander. So we, this, this is my, my big theory behind stormwater management here. We pulled as much as we could to the property, um, never let it get to flood stage, and used the water as, as just shoved it in the ground. And then that way, you know, like during the dry season, everybody'd be brown, you would drive by there. And it was, this thing was like green into March. And this is just putting water in the ground, making the ground happy and letting everything function kind of at its fullest potential. Um, and it was always my goal with that property to let the stormwater that entered it leave crystal clear. I think if everybody starts adapting little principles like this, we start to see a lot less of these flooding problems. Um, you know, so we had like erosion, rows and rows of living swells with vetiver grass, like 460 fruit trees, but um, trying to slow the water down, let it let it do its job and, uh, and leave clear. If you can clear the water up before it leaves your property, you're helping the neighbor downstream. And yeah, so over here, the same thing got like, 7,000 meters of property, got all the damaged stuff out and immediately went to like just slowing the water down. Um, yeah, just gardening, a good spot to garden, man. Well, you so also I, build on hills. You're comfortable dealing with hills and a lot of people are very scared. Why, why are you comfortable? Is it because of how you funnel the water? We, so I use, uh, I use veggie bear grass, which I think is the best grass on the planet. I, a lot of my friends love this stuff too. And it's, it's kind of getting used more and more in the neighborhood. Um, but vetiver grass is basically about a meter tall and the roots grow five meters straight down. And I use my survey equipment and plant this stuff level on contour in triple rows um, and then cut it for about two years until it fills into a full hedge. And so as the sheet water comes down the hill, it stops and goes in the ground and feeds the fruit trees under the hedge and then it makes it to the next. So it's like this long process, but it's we're stabilizing the hill and giving the fruit trees extra water. Um, but yeah, hills hills aren't really that scary if you just kind of approach them slowly, I think. Mm. Let's take it down to Guiones and Palata standard lot size. Go walk walk us through what a 500 to 1200, 1500 meter lot owner, what do you think they should be doing and uh, what should they expect, et cetera, et cetera. Talk us through that. I'll, I'll touch on that super quick and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you like what I think would help them never have to worry about this. Um, Please. Big thing is, if you're going to build in the flat, so all the water in town is making its way to the beach. You know, it hits the river, 
makes its way to the beach, whichever way it's going into the low spot. So to me, if I'm building in the lowest area in town, the first thing I'm not going to do is build on the ground. You know, I'm on, I'm on top of a hill here that's a hundred and like 110 foot above sea level. It's 70 foot ab above the bottom of my property, but I'm still a little bit off the ground. Um, I think when you start getting up off the ground a little bit, you kind of mitigate some of the termite issues because you can see things entering. Um, this is a tiny house. I'm living in a house that's only 320 square feet, which is epic. Um, so everything enters the house from underneath. So if the, you know, you're mitigating termites, no chance of flooding and you get air flowing around, which kind of helps with the, the heating or the cooling cost. Um, but a lot of the problems we're, we, we saw recently, you know, these houses are like, there's water running through the yard. It's super crazy, but the houses are like, you know, the floor is six inches above the yard. Um, I think, a, I think a lot of this stuff, no matter lot size, you know, if you're on a 5,000 meter lot of the beach or a 200 meter lot of the beach, if you're at ground level and every bit of rainwater in town is heading towards your house, you're probably going to have an issue. Um, so, so like a little bit bigger, but not too much, but a little bit bigger picture. I think this town, a lot of places around here and, you know, but this town in particular has a really bad habit of trying to divert every last bit of water around your property. Everybody here, they don't want the storm water. They want it to go around them. You know, they got a ditch over here, the ditch on the road. Um, this town probably functioned a lot, but just this area, not as a town, but like, you know, topographically probably functioned better water wise with nothing here. I mean, one would, one would assume that if it's undisturbed, it's going to function as nature intended. So as you build, you also have to be conscious of the fact that you now have a house or a property somewhere water once flowed. So if you divert water around there, you are adding to the water on one side and adding to the water on the other. And if you, if you do that 1600 times from Las Huacas down to Guiones, that's a whole lot of water that didn't have time to soak into somebody's property. Um, maybe join another stream over there and never become a problem. So I think we have to, we have to kind of want to accept water onto our property. I, I don't know that it's ever going to happen. You know, it may be wishful thinking, but I think people need to allow water onto their property, make use of it for sure. Cause you, you know, as well as anybody, we're like killing it, doing some irrigation in the dry season, you know, cause everything's about dead. Cause nobody's water, you know, nobody's property is kind of holding anything. We need to let some water on our property and try to slow all this stuff down as a community before it ever gets to be a problem. It's different, you know, with the river flooding, that's from up in the mountains, it hits a high tide. Um, that's not something we can really mitigate, I think, on a yard by yard level. But I think this diverting water around every single property and structure is just, it's sending a lot of water in the wrong places, for sure. You see it a lot with the roads here. Um, you know, a lot of these roads, you're very familiar with L section are cut into the side of hills. Water comes down the hill, it hits the road. At some point it needs to travel under the road to where it was going to travel without the road there. But you know, these guys doing work for the Muni have a bad habit of like, they'll grade the road and the low side of the road rather than water running off the road, like it should and having some sort of erosion control measure in place like veggie bear grass, they get a little bitty ditch down the low side of the road like like a dirt guardrail and it's it shoves water maybe sometimes a half a kilometer down the road that should have never been at that one specific portion of the watershed so even even with our road maintenance here we're kind of altering the characteristics of the way this stuff flows and it's it's one problem kind of you know added to another whatever but i don't know all, all, all good points man all, all good points let's keep the information flowing let's get to your third 
let's get to number three. Number three, uh, soil management. Um, yeah, yeah, by the way, dude, I'm so scatterbrained, but this stuff's like way easier to talk about for me walking around a property and like showing the way. Um, so, well, Hey, we'll do that on the next episode. Actually, we'll go, we'll do that for the next one where people can see what you're describing. We'll do that for the next one, man. That's a great idea. We, 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 me and you need to do a Zach Galifianakis between two ferns, but outdoors. (laughs) Um, so like the, the, Third key for me is soil management, because I think that ties all this stuff in together. You you know, you need a a healthy, vibrant soil below your leach field. You know, that's where it ties into the septic. Um, You you need healthy soil with grass growing on it above your leach field area that's not going to get washed away and let stormwater into your leach field area. You know, so that's where that's where the soil can kind of tie into that. But as far as the stormwater management, man, we have got a, you know, pretty poor soil here. I think they came through this general area, maybe from Nicaragua down to the tip of the peninsula in like the mid 1800s. Someone was explaining to me the other day and clear cut everything to make mm. railroad, to make railroad ties. This is when they were getting all the bananas out. Um, I th- think probably from that point, the soil has degraded, you know, it kind of makes sense to think about it that way. And then it's, you know, once all this land was clear, they put cattle on it. The cattle do ungodly amounts of things to the soil. So I think we have to we have to kind of want to build the soil back a little bit better. I think the the more spongy your soil gets, the the more vibrant it is, the more healthy it is, the more it's going to absorb water rather than shed water. Um, I'll tell you a trick I do a lot. Like when I got this property, what I'll do is I get all the bad brush off, get all the weeds, and I'll clean it one time, and then I spread red beans. So I get like big bulk bags of like Don Pedro brand red beans. Um, Cause if I'm going to grow grasses, if I'm going to grow grass hedges or like a Sacate Dulce cover to keep the erosion from happening, all that grass needs nitrogen and uh, legumes, red beans, especially are like super good. They take nitrogen from the air and process it and pump it into the dirt. So mm-hmm. right before, right before these things go to put beans out, I cut it with a weed eater, let everything sit on the ground, do this two or three times, build up a little biomat. And then I plant all my grass and everything's super, super nice and happy. Um, but with, my healthy soil and all this grass cover that I don't have to irrigate. I don't have anything running off the property muddy. You know, I'm not worried about this portion of the hill behind the house possibly going. And then there's an issue with the house. Um, so healthy soil slows down rainwater. It absorbs more water in the rainy season than you need to irrigate less in, uh, in the dry season. It, it all kind of ties in together. Yeah, geez, man, I'm I'm learning a lot today. We're definitely gonna have to do between two ferns or whatever plan or whatever plant that you have in your in your yard. Um, geez, it really does all tie together. You kind of did that. You made a big circle, but you did link it all up. Yeah, I just, I just, my the main the main thing I want to get across with all this is that it's all easy to learn if you just want to learn it. You know, like learning how to make yourself a better steward of our ocean you know by by making your septic system function correctly is easy to learn if you just have the initiative to learn it i think this town needs to kind of get its collective mess together about you know wanting to fix these problems and then they're easily fixed don't get overwhelmed with like the big scales you know we we started uh having security meetings in l section um I think we have a, you know, we want good things for Nosara. So we tend to think on a Nosara scale about things um, when that's not really the way you're going to fix problems. So like, you know, we would think about, 
you know, we need, we need less robberies in Osara. We want Osara safer, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you, we get together as a group, as a neighborhood. So we realize like, we're not going to fix the whole town's issues as a neighborhood group. So let's fix our neighborhood. Um, and L section, you know, from like Paseo towards five corners, Paseo towards Aranales is like, you know, two sections of a neighborhood. So maybe we split ourselves into two groups. So now we can kind of focus a little bit smaller, our attention. Um, inside our little section from Paseo towards Aranales, there's several clusters of houses. So maybe, you know, me and Danny at the church and Graham lives right through the woods from me. We can start sharing ideas about fencing, work together as a small tight group on security, basically getting down to the fine point that you don't want your specific house robbed. You know, that's the, that's the end goal. And then if we function correctly as a neighborhood, you know, everybody else is going, you know, man, Pilata's like, dude, L section's got it going on. Let's be like them. And then Las Wacas is like jealous of Pilata. And then I think we kind of build a cultural at using security as an example of, you know, how to fix some of these other problems. So we, as, as we met as a neighborhood group in L section, um, you know, we kind of, like I was saying, we kind of realized we're not going to fix all of Nosara's problems as a neighborhood group. You know, our main responsibility is to fix L section's problems. You know, I, it's like I was saying earlier, I think we want to see, because we love the town so much, you want to see Nosara, you know, theft free, um, septic issue free. But I, I think we can get overwhelmed thinking about this, like, you know, on a national level or on a municipality level or even on a town level. And we need to kind of shift our focus to smaller groups, um, which is what we did with the security. And as we met, you know, from Paseo to Five Corners and Paseo to Aranales is two separate sections of the neighborhood. So we kind of, you know, are now splitting into two groups so we can become hyper focused on this area. They can focus on their area. Um, and then now small clusters of neighbors are working together. I work with Danny at the church. Graham lifts through the woods so we can focus on our shared fencing. Um, you know, and help protect this little area. So it, it all boils down to, I don't want my place to get robbed. You know, that's the fine point of it. And then the bigger picture is we don't want Nosara to have theft issues. So I think as you start working in small groups, everything flourishes. Um, it's the same with septic. Maybe you just take it on a neighborhood by neighborhood scale, get with your neighbors, kind of talk to them, man, what have you done about your septic system? Your house is the same age as mine is. Instead of trying to focused all our attention on how are we going to fix Nosara, um, maybe neighbors can get together as groups. Um, if you have specific stormwater issues as neighbors, that's something you can address as a small group, um, probably a lot easier than the municipality can address. So I, I yeah. think thinking small can have bigger effects and not be so overwhelming. That, that gotcha. So it's a, it's a comparison to the think globally, act locally. Uh, you're, you, uh, your analogy with security, it all comes back to water. It's the same thing. We all want to solve everything, but it's better to start right under your own roof or in your own yard and then share that amongst your neighbors and get started that way. That's kind of what we're saying. Is that right? Yeah, man. You'll, uh, you, you will get discouraged, I think, more quickly from being overwhelmed with a subject than it being a little bit more work than you expected it to be. Um, and, and that the truth. I remember with yeah. security, with my years of service and that, Whenever it was collective thinking, it was just very depressing and, and a big bummer. What was helpful is when you did have certain neighborhoods that implemented certain strategies and it did work. Um, that's what we want to do with water now. And that's kind of your mission is, is 
let's get educated and let's get after this. And if you want to, if you need help, call somebody and get them out there. Um, I know that's where Mr. Edgeworth is wanting everyone to go is call and get your stuff inspected. So can we jump back into that for a second? What recommendations yeah. do you have for your standard homeowner? What should they do next? And I'm not talking to someone building. You covered that in depth earlier. I was going to see if we could jump back to existing homes. Walk us through that real quick, please. Uh, so I think I think Robert's getting uh, maybe a list put together of people that can do these inspections. Um, mm -hmm. But, you, you know, it's my opinion. Uh, you know, I'm not downing on any local builders by any means. But I, I think if you're if, if you have it in your mind that you're going to make the most out of your septic situation and try to be the best example you can with your wastewater, you probably need to hire or call someone that specializes specifically in wastewater. You know, a jack of all trades works for, for a lot of things, but I think septic is one of those things you really want somebody that is obsessed with your system functioning to be the dude that's messing with your stuff. Um, I, I think not jumping too far back towards construction, but I think another fine point we need to put on this is it would benefit a lot of people's systems, especially on these new constructions, to have it be the very last thing that is done on the project. Um, hmm. So if if we complete a brand new leach field, you know, gravel beds, all this, and we realize in our heads, like, man, I can't park on this thing, I can't drive on it because I cannot mess with the compaction of this thing. The last thing I want is a crew of 40 dudes and a bunch of work trucks and a backhoe and a skid steer and all this stuff around my leach area. Um, so to me, it may I know a lot of places in the States, like it, it has to be the last thing you do, but I think people need to get that, uh, you know, kind of clear in their head that it would make a lot more sense for them and for the integrity of what they're paying for, for it to be the very last thing on a project. Man, that's um, good. All good stuff to know, man. Nick, you've got a ton of information. Um, we we got to do it again. I want to go show the example lots that, that you do because I've seen them. I drive by it every day. It's amazing. And a lot of us have grown to respect you. Um, because you're out there doing it you're, you're leading by example you're passionate about this stuff but it's too much information for someone to digest certainly in a, in a quick I podcast I, dude, I can't even i can't even get it out man i'm like i think <laughs> my big my big problem because i get so sidetracked to like talking about this stuff is that i i love like just getting after it you know we when i worked in uh infrastructure and pipeline construction in the united states it was people would always tell new like green hands is what you call them guys fresh to the industry. Like, you know, that we're nervous about what to do is you just walk towards the work. You know, it's the same with security, the water, getting your road in better condition. If you go towards the work, generally things get done, but if you kind of stand back and shy away from it. Um, so I think, you know, that philosophy kind of being ingrained in me is I have a lot easier time doing this stuff than I do explaining this stuff until I'm kind of done with it, cruising around and walking like, yeah, so we definitely should, walk the property it will be a lot easier uh, it's a well it's a beautiful second phase Th this was a, a great start but we'll go give people something to stare at and hear the words then it'll start coming together um and we'll share some some success stories that's something i was just talking about with robert um before i before this trip was let's create success stories like you have a cool one going with your tiny home that you built let's start sharing that and making it positive and give people hope because again people are real quick to talk about a whole town just like you pointed out earlier the real solution is taking action themselves yeah, and starting there so let's celebrate that 
Dude, this is a this house, by the way, I think is the only house in SR that doesn't have a septic system because I have composting toilets. So I'll tell you, I'll I'll give you I'll let leave you with something um that I learned. There's this guy, Brad Lancaster. He's like the rainwater harvesting guru of the world. And he lives in Tucson, Arizona, that gets like eleven to seventeen inches of rain a year. Um People are always trying to turn their problems into a solution. You know, that's the old saying from when you're a kid, man, make it, make a solution out of your problem. He always says, turn your problem into a resource. So if you, you're, we always come up against all these issues we have to try to figure out, but rather than finding the quick solution to my problem that I've got waste that I need to get rid of, the solution is a septic system. It mitigates the problem. You know, if I want to follow that example and turn my problem into a resource and at the same time, I'm someone who's interested in growing dirt and making better soil, I realize that that is a big resource that I would be wasting. Um, so we're, you know, we're not peeing, we're not peeing and drinking water and we're not making the ocean dirty. And I, this may be the only spot doing it now. And I realize everybody will lecture me about this. I know composting toilets aren't for everybody. Um, but I think it's super awesome, especially having a 12 year old, like completely comfortable around composting toilets and her friends over here on sleepovers, completely comfortable around composting toilets is, is super cool. Right on, man. Hey, I want to thank you for your time and we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. We need to, uh, um, Hey, before we go, is there anything you want to get off your chest while you have this platform in any way? Any, any thoughts that you've covered a lot, but is there any more that you want to hit on too? Oh, uh, man, Any, anything I say other than my my three little areas I think about all the time and tends to get me in trouble. <laughs> okay, well, let's hold off. Thank you for what you've done so far. Your property to where you actually funneled water in and it stayed green a lot longer than other people's properties with no irrigation. So I think that'll catch people's attention. We should show it to them. Free, free, free water, man. It comes right from the sky. <laughs> Thanks, man. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you on, buddy. And we'll have you back. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks, dude.